Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Katie mentioned that we started our Advent series last week, a series called Unto Us, A Son is Given. And during Advent, we celebrate the Son of God coming to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah talked about him coming. Isaiah prophesied about his coming in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The history of mankind has been the story of discovering and using power. And first of all, it was manpower, and then horsepower, and then steam power, hydropower, atomic power, and now nuclear power. And every step has aided mankind financially and materially, but we're not any richer spiritually. One author has said the most important power today is spiritual power. And the source of that power is Jesus Christ, who is the mighty God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So if you want to know about God, you need to get to know Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact imprint imprint of his nature, and he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he can do that because he is, as Isaiah said, the mighty God. The Oxford Dictionary uses a number of synonyms for the word mighty, words like strong and great, powerful, forceful. And then Isaiah, speaking for God, prophesying, said that when this child is born and when this son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. And he didn't say the government of Israel or the government of Germany or the government of the United States. He simply said the government will be upon his shoulders because he is a sovereign king. He's a universal king. He's an international king. He's the king of all. And the government of the whole world will rest upon his shoulders. And he will be called, among other things, mighty God. Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. What do I mean when I say that Jesus is the power of God? (laughs) Well, I mean the same thing that Isaiah meant when he said that Jesus is the mighty God. He's the power of God. I mean the same thing as the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Jesus Christ is the power of God. And as such, he's, he's greater than anything in this life because he's the power of God. He's greater than anyone on the planet because he is the power of God. 
and nobody else can make that claim. And as a result of his greatness and his power, we know from the scripture that Jesus is greater than our problems. Doesn't matter what kind of problem you have, Jesus is greater. In this world, you will have trouble, and don't we know it? But Jesus said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the problems that you're facing. Jesus is greater than our sin also. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus is greater than our past. Oh, I'm so glad about that. I was just telling my wife the other day, you know, prior to coming to Jesus when I was 21 years of age, I was a scallywag of the 10th degree. And I still have these things, you know, that I did, these stupid, stupid things that I I did come forcefully back into my mind, and I feel so terrible about it. I feel so, oh, wait a sec, I don't have to feel guilty, because there is therefore now no for those who are in, he's greater than our past. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions and your transgressions. And you know that east never meets west. You can head out from here and go west and keep going west all the way around the world. And when you get back to Windsor, west is still west and east is still east. They, they never meet. And that's how far God has separated our sins from us. Hallelujah. Jesus is also greater than our plans. And that's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will make your path straight. You can't. I can't. I've tried. I can't get a straight line anywhere. Jesus is also greater than our pain. Surely he took up our pain and our suffering. Isaiah 53. Jesus is greater than our fear. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's greater than our needs. My God will supply, meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. I mean, Jesus is greater, period. He's just greater. Fill in the blank. He's greater than anyone or anything on the planet. And that's why Paul would say in Philippians 2, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Praise God. You don't mind if I exalt the name of Jesus, do you? You don't mind if I talk about the power of God, do you? Jesus is the power of God. And I'm I'm just trying to show you this morning that he's not feeble or frail. He's not fragile or faint. He is the mighty God. And we need to bow in his presence. We need to stoop low. Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. So what do I mean by that second phrase? What, What do we mean when we say that Jesus uses the gospel of God? Well, the apostle Paul would make much of this. In, 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 in most of his letters that he writes in the New Testament, explaining why and how and when and where Jesus uses the gospel to rescue people like us, scallywags that we are. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, Paul said. It's the power of God. The gospel itself. And, 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 and even Jesus himself uses the gospel. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus himself went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel. You mean God himself used the gospel? Uh-huh. So if Jesus went about preaching and teaching the gospel, hello, we ought to follow his example and do the same. Why? Because the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is the power of God for salvation. That body of knowledge that exalts Jesus and, 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 and informs people of the fact that God sent his one and only son into the world. And Jesus actually, through his death and, and resurrection, became our substitute. He died on the cross to pay for our sins He came out of the grave alive on the third day, according to the scriptures. And he sits now at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. That's the good news. Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. So what do we mean by that last phrase? What do we mean by... Uh, Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. What's that last phrase all about? Well, when we speak about the transforming power of Jesus, the mighty God, we should say, first of all, that transformation begins with our salvation. That's where it begins. doesn't start before that. (laughs) Say, well, you know, he was... Moving toward God for a long time. Yeah, but his life hadn't been transformed yet. Transformation begins with our salvation. You don't become a new creation in, in Christ before salvation. So that's, this is where transformation starts. Matthew tells us that when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Remember that story? He said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The purpose of the incarnation, the reason for Christmas, is to save us from our sins. The the, the reason that God set Christmas into motion was the forgiveness of his people. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And the Bible is very clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need to be rescued from our sins because we've all sinned, and that's why God sent his son. The most famous verse and most quoted verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So that's where transformation gets kicked into gear. When a man or woman or boy or girl 
puts their faith, when they believe in the Lord Jesus, that's when the transformation begins. Because in that instant, Scripture says, that person becomes a new creation in Christ. The moment they, they believe. But that's just the beginning of, of, of this new life. That's not all there is. That's just the beginning. And, and, and then transformation continues with our sanctification. Now, there you go. That's a 50-cent theology word right there. Sanctification. Sanctification is the God-ordained process by which we become more like Jesus. Sanctification is, is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Jesus in our daily lives. That's a little more understandable, right? You got that? Sanctification. So transformation begins with our salvation, but transformation continues with sanctification. It's a process. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it, it takes time. You, 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 you have to be patient. But God is at work in us and through us to make us more like Jesus, bit by bit, step by step, day by day. And there's all kinds of gospel songs with, with that concept in it. Now, ideally, we are, we're progressively becoming more and more like Jesus as we go on in the Christian life. As we devote ourselves to the Word of God and the study of Scripture and to prayer, to the breaking of bread and fellowship with other believers, we grow. And our our life is changed a bit more and, and the church multiplies and God is glorified. That's how it's supposed to work. Love God, grow in your faith, serve the King and multiply your life and your church. Perhaps you've heard the story. It's an old story of two brothers convicted of stealing sheep. It's happened many, many years ago, but they they actually branded these two brothers with the letters ST on their forehead. They, They were branded. And the one couldn't bear the stigma. He grew bitter and angry, and he... He, he left the village and, and went off someplace and, and died, and, and nobody, nobody knew anything about him. Uh, the other brother chose a very different course of action, though. He, he decided to stay right where he was and face the music and try to... He said, I, I, there's nothing I can do to change what I've done, but I will stay here and win the respect of my neighbors. So fast forward many years. The years passed. He, he had built a strong reputation uh, for integrity and faithfulness and honesty. And one day, a stranger who'd come into town saw him, saw the letters on his forehead, which hadn't completely disappeared, although they had grown more faint. And he asked a fellow townsman, what, what do those letters on that man's forehead indicate? And the old fellow said, he thought for a moment, he said, you know, it, it happened such a long time ago, and I, I forget the specific particulars, but he said, I think the letters ST stand for saint. (laughs) See, the, the mighty God is at work in us, turning us into saints, making us holy, changing our lives, transforming us by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We're becoming more and more like Jesus day by day. That's that's what sanctification is about. 
That's what transformation is. The mighty God is at work in us. So would you say it with me, please, this little ditty that I've been repeating over and over. Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. And because the transforming power of God is at work in us on an ongoing sort of daily basis, uh, we, we become witnesses for Jesus, according to Acts 1.8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's part of sanctification. That's part of becoming more like Jesus. That's part of our responsibility in sanctification is to become witnesses for Jesus. Scripture says we're also ambassadors for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20, God is making his appeal through us. And, and, and Michael and his team are ambassadors for Jesus in Ann Arbor, uh, just representing, they're representing him, representing Jesus in the city as they talk to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus so they can come to know Jesus and love Jesus and tell others about Jesus who will come to know Jesus and love Jesus and tell others about Jesus. Isn't that what you're trying to do, Mike? We're also captured by hope. As the transforming power of God works in us, we're captured by hope. I love this verse, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Isn't that a fantastic verse? And it's true. God is at work in us, filling us with hope. We're abounding with hope. Because of the transforming power of mighty God. Because Jesus is at work in us. Because the mighty God is at work in our lives transforming us. We're also victors in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. God gives, gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. We're strengthened by grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. In our pre-service prayer time, we're talking about the abundance of raw material he's got to work with in our lives. Lots of weakness, right? He's got all kinds of raw material to work in my life because I got a lot of weakness. So, Lord, here it is. Turn it into your strength. And we're empowered by God in this process of transformation. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Hey, there it is again. The power of the mighty God at work in us, the power of the Holy Spirit to do what? To bring him glory forever and ever. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. Jesus is the Mighty God. Jesus is the power of God who uses the gospel of God to transform the people of God. I spent part of a day last week with a man who's in the last stages of his life on earth. And his family told me that they had tried uh, several times, many times, to talk to him about Jesus and to talk to him about his destiny, but he just brushed them off. He didn't want to talk, didn't want to have anything to do with that. And so they called the professional. 
Um, and I went and sat beside him, sat beside his bed. And I put my hand on his shoulder and apologized. I apologized. I said, we've been friends for years. You've heard me preach about Jesus, and you've heard me share the gospel. I've talked to you from a distance about repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. But I've never taken the time to look at you face to face and sit down across from you and look into your eyes and tell you how Jesus made such a difference in my own life and how he can make a difference in yours. So can I talk to you about Jesus? And I began to walk through the gospel step by step, carefully, prayerfully, English wasn't his first language. And so I was trying to make it as clear and as simple as I could. And so I shared the gospel, coming at it from every angle I knew how. Creation, fall, uh, rescue, restoration. I talked about God and man and Christ and our response. And I kept coming at it. Uh, Some of you have seen three circles on the screen more than once. Talking about God's amazing perfect plan and how we mess that up through sin and Jesus and that results in brokenness uh, in our lives and in the world but God uh, amazingly sent his own son Jesus Christ to to fix it and through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ we we come to know him and then we can uh, reestablish this pursuit of God's perfect plan in our lives I told him all that told him that Jesus lived and died in our place, that he is our substitute, that he, he lived a life we could never live, and he died the death that we could never die. And now, I said, God invites us to respond to the gospel, to the good news, to that story of redemption. And so I asked him, would you like to place your faith in this Jesus? And he said yes. And just a couple of days later, I'm reading in my Bible in the morning, and I come across this verse, John chapter 5, verse 24, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. So I thought, regardless of what happens to my friend in the next week or the next month, he has eternal life. He's already passed from death to life. He's already alive forever because he believes in Jesus. So I'm good, and he's good, and we're good. That's what it's about. Have you stepped across that line of faith yet? Have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted in Christ for your personal salvation? Are you there yet? Regardless of what happens to him, I know he has 
eternal life because he believes in Jesus. It was a quiet Friday afternoon at Toronto's Pearson International Airport. And one of the air traffic controllers had just a a handful of of airplanes in his sector. And the little green dots were moving across the radar screen steadily as they should. But down in the building's basement where the brains of the radar system were located, something went wrong. Buried deep within the computer code that ran the entire radar system at the airport, there was a problem. And at 2.57 p.m. on September 14th, there was a glitch. The computer recognized immediately that it, it had a problem and automatically switched over to a backup system, and the backup system failed. So this was no routine glitch, folks. This crippling failure could have ended in tragedy. Thank God it didn't. But it could have. And eventually, your systems are going to fail too. Eventually, the little green dot that represents your life on planet Earth is going to disappear from the screen. Then what? Then what? See, death is inevitable. The question is, will it end in triumph or will it end in tragedy? God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could uh, put our faith and trust in His finished work on the cross and be born again to a new and living hope and, 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 and be brought into a life that the Scripture says is eternal. The Bible says Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. What a wonderful, gracious thought that is. Jesus did all of that so that he could introduce us to God, his Father. Jesus bridged the gap between God and man. Jesus offers rescue and restoration to all who believe in him. Jesus provides open access to God the Father. He declares himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. I have, I have some friends who would like to add to that. Say, well, that's really not, Jesus didn't really mean that. That's what the Bible says. And I believe him. I believe what Jesus said. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father through him. I believe that. I believe him. Do you believe him? So please consider the green dot as it goes across the screen representing your life. When the screen goes blank, Where will you be? Let's pray together. Father, before the glitch of death occurs, I pray that everyone here, everyone in this audience will believe in Jesus Christ. Trust Him today. Ask Him to be your Savior today, my friend. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Father, on this second Sunday of Advent, we want to praise you for the invitation to ponder the magnificent and measureless implications of the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of Christ, the one who is called Mighty God. He alone is our living hope. And yes, we we dare to live with hope today because Jesus lived and died and rose again. He's not our dead model to imitate. He's our present Savior. He's alive. He's our wonderful counselor and our mighty God. And we want to know him and love him and declare him today. Father, thank you for your endless mercies. Thank you for your measureless grace. Thank you for your steadfast love, all lavished on us in Jesus. And thank you for a most certain inheritance kept in heaven for us who believe. My friend, if you're listening to my voice right now and you haven't yet transferred your trust to Jesus for your salvation, do it now. Do it right now in the quietness of this moment. You could say simply, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I repent of my sins. My life has been separated from you for too long. And I want to come home today. I want to be part of your forever family today and for the rest of my days. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I take you as my Savior today. And thank you for the work you've done on my behalf. And Lord, what a joy it's been for us to be here this morning to worship together and to listen to your word. Be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.